0: As Troy suggested, we're actually between sermon series this week. Over the summer, we've been looking at the wonderful signs or miracles uh, that Jesus did in John's Gospel. And we finished that last week with the greatest of Jesus' signs, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Uh, And then next week, we're going to come back to the book of Acts. So uh, you might remember, we got up to Acts chapter 12 last year. We're going to come and do the second half of the book of Acts starting next week. Uh, and we could have started that today, but uh, to tell you the truth, I really didn't want to start a new sermon series uh, on the last day of the summer holidays on a long weekend. So I thought we'd have this one week gap and I thought let's start the year by getting our minds into the right frame. So let's get our minds sorted for the year ahead, our hearts and minds set with the right priorities. Uh, and I want to do that by just reminding us, us all of what must be the very centre of the Christian life. Uh, So I want to remind us just how wonderful and simple the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ actually is uh, and how you can never hear that good news too often uh, and never uh, know it too well. And to do that, I want to turn to the Bible passage I read more than any other. Uh, So this is the Bible passage, when I'm feeling dry, when I'm uh, wondering, is it all worth it? Uh, This is the passage I open up and I read just to remind myself of how wonderful the gospel is. Uh, So this passage is very special to me and I thought... Let's preach it, because I've never actually preached it before. So that's why we're looking at it today. That's the simple reason. Uh, So come with me, Ephesians 2 was read for us before. Have it open in front of you. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, put up your hand and someone there at the back will get you one. Uh, But it's interesting, given what I've just said about how refreshing I find this passage, uh, you would have noticed it starts in a really dark place. Uh, So I've called the, the heading for the first three verses, The Hopeless Human Condition. Look with me at verse one it says and you were dead in your trespasses and sins that's a pretty negative start isn't it Uh, but and this is so important to to really appreciate light you have to have been in darkness to to get something fixed you need to understand you have a problem Uh, like many people especially men I think I hate going to the doctor uh, I, I was going to say I can go a period of years without darkening the door of a GP. I could probably go decades without darkening the door of a GP. Don't worry. I, I know I'm nearly fifty. I know I know I don't look any more than twenty-five, but I'm, I'm nearly fifty, so I know I have to go for regular checkups now and all that sort of thing. So I don't need fifty concerned people after church to come and <laughs> challenge me. Uh, but the reality is, you need a checkup because there is no use hiding from a true diagnosis, is there? Uh, It's better to know the truth, because then you can do something about it, then you can deal with it. And so here, it's only when we understand the depth of our problem, that we can ever truly understand how amazing God's answer is. Now he's talking to Christians in this passage, and he's saying, this is what you were before you knew Jesus, Often I think we become Christians and then it's only later that we realized just how bad our problem was before we became Christians. I think that's here. He's he's writing, this is what you were before you knew Jesus. And to summarize it, he says three things. He says, we were dead in our sins. We were enslaved by the spirit of this world and we were under God's wrath and judgment. So look at it with me. What does he mean when he says we were dead? He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Well, originally, God made humanity to live forever. That's the the picture in the opening of uh, chapters of the Bible in the book of Genesis. God made us to live forever and to live with him and to know him and to honour him and to worship him. But the reality is we don't. We turn our back on God. We try to decide right and wrong for ourselves. Uh, Even the people we think of as righteous actually tend to be self-righteous. If you think about that, that's what Jesus found when he came, even the Pharisees who were the godly people of his time, actually they were self-righteous, they used their godliness as a way to make them appear better than other people and so that is what the Bible calls trespasses and sins and God's judgment on our trespasses and sins is death. The Bible says uh, in the opening chapters Adam and Eve were cut off from the tree of life because of their sin in the same way our sin cuts us off from the source of life, from God. Our sin means that we're spiritually dead. But we say, I feel alive. I don't feel spiritually dead. But actually, from the moment we are born, death and decay is our reality. The best picture, I think, of this actually comes from the Psalms in the Old Testament that, that talks of us like flowers in the field. And, and I think the best picture that, that, that captures the human condition is we are like flowers in a vase. So the flowers in a vase look so colourful, they look so alive, they look so wonderful but actually from the moment the farmer cut them off from their roots, they were dead. It's just a show of being alive and after a month, flowers I buy Victoria, probably two or three days, they wither and, and, and they die. That is the human condition. We, we look alive but from the moment we are born, that's us decay and death is where we are more than that though God says we were enslaved look for verse one again It says and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens the spirit now working in the disobedient we love to think that without God we're free Some people say that to me, they say, I want to, I'm giving up on Jesus, I'm giving up on church, I just want to be free to live my life the way I want, but no, if we don't follow God, we actually follow this world, we follow, in fact, the ruler of this world, which is the devil, we walk according to his ways. Now, again, people say, I'm not into the occult, I'm not into witchcraft and all that sort of stuff, but it just means we live the way the devil wants us to, which is with no regard for God. As if God doesn't exist seeking our own pleasure in our own ways the devil doesn't care if you worship him or you worship money or you worship real estate or you just worship whatever he doesn't care as long as you don't worship God and all of that meant that we were thirdly it says under God's wrath and judgment look at the end of verse three it says and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also because of our sin We deserve God's judgment because of the way we've treated God, but also because of the way we've treated other people. Uh, The idea of God's wrath and judgment is an unpopular doctrine today. It's unpopular in the world, it's unpopular in the church. People only want to hear about the God of forgiveness and love. Here's the thing, you cannot understand God's forgiveness and love until you first understand the reality of his judgment. More than that, if you think hard about it, a God that doesn't care about sin is not a God worth knowing. A God that doesn't care about justice is not a God worth knowing. But for us, we need to talk about God's judgment because this diagnosis is our reality. If I have a cancer in my body, there's no use denying it. Uh, There's no use saying, let's not talk about it, hope it goes away. We need the diagnosis so we can treat it properly. And so this is God's diagnosis of the human condition, dead in our sins, enslaved by the spirit of the world, And under God's wrath and judgment. Now at this point I want to pause, I want to speak to you if you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're someone who doesn't follow the Lord Jesus because you might be thinking this is what Christians think of other people, that somehow Christians think this is what other people are like but we're much better. But I want you to see here, the point is this is the Bible's diagnosis of the universal human condition. Christians are not better than other people, we've just found the cure. And that's why Christians are so driven to talk about Jesus, to share Jesus with with other people that we meet. If your Christian friend or your Christian family member annoys you sometimes, you know, always wanting to talk about Jesus, always wanting to invite you to church, it's because they love you. That's why they do it. They want you to find the answer to the problem that they have found themselves. And so that brings us to the next part of our passage, the solution our problem. Come with me to the second part, verses 4 to 7. And I've given it the very simple heading, but, uh, because verse 4 starts with what I think is one of the most powerful and beautiful words in the English language, but. But can be such an incredibly negative or positive word. Think, think, about, think about the guy sitting with the girl in the cafe. I really like you, Fred. I think you're a lovely guy. And Fred's heart goes up. Wow. But, she doesn't have to say anything else, does she? Fred's heart, broken, on the floor. Or on a positive sense, you know, these blood tests have come back and they they show some serious issues and your heart races, but, I think we can treat them. But but is such a powerful word and here is the most wonderfully positive word. He says in verses one to three, we were dead in our sins, we were enslaved by the spirit of the world. We were deserving of God's wrath, and then come to verse 4, but, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. But God. See, we don't fix our problem. Dead people can't do much for themselves, that's, that's the point, but God does something about it. God shows mercy mercy is giving people what they don't deserve or perhaps better it's not giving people what they do deserve instead of giving us judgment God is merciful instead of giving us death God gives us life instead of judgment God gives us forgiveness and it's not that God sees a grain of good in us and says I'll give them another go The point here is it's nothing about us, he does it because of his love. God just because of who he is loves the unlovely. Just because of who he is God decides to show mercy and so God makes us alive with the Messiah, that is with Jesus. This passage doesn't go into the mechanics of how it all works. He leaves that for other places. It doesn't explain how God makes us alive, how Jesus dies for our sin to take the penalty we deserve, how how Jesus rises from the dead to defeat death once and for all. This passage is more about what it means for us. We were dead, now we have eternal life. See we were under God's judgment, now we are objects of his mercy and grace and kindness. But there's another wonderful part there, look down at verse 7, So remember we were also enslaved by the spirit of the world well not any longer he says in verse 7 it tells us we now have a place in the heavens with Jesus see that is our true home now we're not trapped by this world we're not slaves of this world we're citizens of heaven that is the wonderful news of the gospel that is what God has done for you through Christ so this is why we need the darkness of verses one to three This is why we need to grasp the depths because only then can you grasp the heights of God's love and God's mercy. There's another word though that came up in that passage, it's there in verse 5 that I haven't mentioned as much and that word is grace. See verse 5 he says, you are saved by grace. Grace means that it is a free gift, it is unearned, Sadly, the most common misunderstanding of the Christian message is that Christianity is about pulling your socks up and doing good so that God might bless you. I'm amazed how ingrained that is in people, even who spend their whole life in church. Sometimes I'll preach a sermon on a passage like this and I'll go to morning tea and people will say, oh, thanks for that kick up the behind, Phil, I need to pull my socks up and do better. That is not the point of the Christian message. The Christian message is the opposite of that. It's all about what God does for you, not what you do for God. We were dead, but God shows us grace. So my third heading, the grace of God. Come with me to verses 8 and 9. You know when you're telling someone a story, or you're telling a joke, or you're, you're trying to communicate something, and you've shared the key point, you've shared the punchline, and you're waiting for their response, but there isn't anything? And, and, and you, you can tell they they haven't grasped how funny what you're telling them is, or how serious what you're telling them is. Some, sometimes, just a little confession time from the preacher. Sometimes that's me as a preacher, where I look and I think that was really funny, and why is there no response? But they should be laughing or crying or or showing some response at all. And you want to grab them by the shoulders. Sometimes I want to get down from here and grab some people by the shoulders, you know. But And you want to turn them to face you. You want to demand their attention and say, do you really get what I'm telling you? I think that's here for the Apostle Paul. He's already said we're saved by grace back in verse 5. But it's like he wants to make sure you've really got this. And so in verse 8, he grabs us by the shoulders and he says, have you got it? Look at verse 8. He says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift not by works, so that no one can boast. See how much he stresses the the point? I think this is one of the clearest verses in the Bible and yet people still get it wrong. People somehow still think they can do good things to earn God's favour, to earn God's blessing. People think, sure I've got to do something for God. For God to love me I've got to earn it in some way so he slows it down frankly for us dummies and he says you are saved by grace it is a free gift and you receive that gift only by faith faith is just a fancy word for belief or for trust you accept God's gift by believing that Jesus is the son of God that he died for your sins and that he rose and defeated death and by trusting that you are forgiven because of him see faith is not you doing something don't be proud of your faith see, that's, the, that's the funny Christians can even find a way to be proud of their faith as if somehow we've earned something no all faith is is accepting what God has done for you and so if it is by grace received by faith we have nothing to boast about look again from verse 8 right near the end it says it is God's gift not from works so that no one can boast. See, when we stand before God and He asks, why should I not give you what you deserve? Why should I not judge you like you deserve? The person who says, oh, because I, because I was a really nice guy, because I went to church, because of the good I did, God will have no time for that person. He'll say, I don't know you. God wants the person who says, well, actually, you should judge me because that's just what I deserve. But thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that you sent Jesus to give me life. That is the Christian Gospel. If you have someone here today and you are not someone who trusts in Jesus, that is the message we would love you to know. We would love to help you find out more. Troy mentioned the Life Course before. We'd love you to come along, ask your questions, try to find answers. Because we want everyone to find the life we have found. But for most of us here who know and love Jesus... I want to draw our sermon together with just two final encouragements. I've called this walking in the light of God's grace. My first encouragement is this, is as we start this year, just remind yourself, this is what it's all about. That's what I want you to do out of today's sermon. Just remind yourself, this is the wonderful news that must be the centre of my life. This should be the truth that drives you. Remind yourself of this truth every day when you get up out of bed and before you go to bed at night. I was dead in my sins, but God, by his mercy, because of his love, God has made me alive in Christ Jesus. By grace, I am saved. Praise God. But then for my second encouragement, we need to look at the final verse of our passage. See, the passage doesn't end at verse nine. It says, knowing this grace of God, will have an impact on you look at verse 10 it says for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them See, no one is saved by works no one is saved by the good things we do but anyone who is saved now lives to do the good works God has prepared for them to do understand this the Christian doesn't do these good things because they have to. And we don't do them because we're trying to pay God back. Sometimes I hear Christians say, oh, why should you do good works? Well, if God has done so much for me, I should pay him back for what he's done for me. No, that's like a lay-by system at Kmart. You know, that's not grace. And we do them because we don't want to walk in the ways of this world anymore we do them because we're a new person now, we've been given life by Jesus and so now I know the the, the truth of God's grace and love, I just want to walk his way. So as we start this year, I want to invite us all to be intentional. I say intentional because I think he purposely uses the word walk, he's saying don't just wander, if you do you'll just live for this world, if you just sort of wander off, walking means putting one step in front of the other be intentional about the direction you go now this covers every area of life I mean if you think hard about it you know how can I love my neighbor this year how can I love my neighbor in my home how can I love my neighbor in my my work or my school or my uni for some of us you know how can I help build up my church family this year that's part of the good works God has prepared for us to do how can I prioritize my time As God wants me to? What gifts has God given me to use? See verse 10 I think demands we be intentional about how we walk in God's ways. Now, I could go on and on about every area of life but I think this passage demands we think about one area in particular because that diagnosis back in verses one to three, yes it's about what I was, yes it's about what you were but that is the reality for all people who do not know Jesus. If people are under God's judgment and we have the words of eternal life, how can we ever keep them to ourselves? So I want to encourage you to be intentional in 2024 about sharing the wonderful truth you know with other people. In my experience, every Christian wants to share the good news. Every Christian desires that people would hear the good news about Jesus, but in my experience, we need to be intentional about it or it doesn't happen. Be intentional about your time or your life will pass you by and you don't even talk to the person you love. You don't even see them. You want them to come to know Jesus, but you're not intentional in seeking it out. Be intentional in praying for people. Now, of course, in our church, we have a focal point for that, our life course that Troy mentioned. Can I get everyone to take that card out of their uh, weekly snack there? The life course is such an easy thing for you to come along to yourself or to invite someone else to because all we do at the life course is set out the truth about Jesus and invite people to ask their questions and invite people to to, to come and find out more. It's relaxed, it's a no pressure opportunity to just hear about Jesus and so I want to ask every member of St George North to be intentional about that date now. I don't want you to get to February 21 and say, that's right, the life course is happening, I hope it goes well. I want you to be intentional about it because the gospel demands, if, you, if you've never been, come along and be a part of it and, and come yourself. But I want you to particularly be praying for friends and family to ask them along. My hope is that every member of St George North is intentionally working towards that opportunity. And why would we do that? Well, because God has saved me by grace so I might walk in the good works he has prepared for me and what better work than to share the good news I have come to know with others but also why would I do that because I love people because I love people and I want them to find the life I have come to know in Jesus so why don't I pray for us all for the year ahead let's pray our heavenly father we thank you for the wonderful news of the gospel We thank you that though we were dead in our sins, you have made us alive in Christ Jesus. And we thank you that it is not by works because none of us could earn our salvation. Instead, we thank you that it is by grace and that we take a hold of this gift through faith. And Father, we pray this year that we would, in the light of that grace, be intentional about walking in the good works you have prepared for us to do. We especially pray that we would be intentional about sharing the wonderful news we have come to know with all those we love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.